0: Wow, we're turning there. Appreciate uh, that, man. That's a new song, and it really just shows that salvation is only through grace, faith in Jesus Christ. So I don't know what you're trusting in. I was talking to a lady a couple weeks ago, and she said to me that she hoped that she had earned enough points And I was sad because she was up in years and I couldn't get through to her. We don't go to heaven based on the point system. Uh, You and I don't earn any points. It's all through the merits of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid the price in full. And uh, so if you're here today and you're trying to earn points and hope you earn enough points to go to heaven sometime, you never will. As the song just sang... The sin still remains. And that has to be washed away to enter into the holy place called heaven. Got to be saved. This message is to those that are saved. So don't take this message and say, well, I'm going to try and do these things and earn my way into heaven. No, this is for those that are saved. The apostle Paul is writing here to a church. That's those that were already believers and baptized and added to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 4. And um, before we start, just a little praise you don't know about, but uh, Kami uh, uh, Zhajnika's husband got saved Wednesday night down in Alabama. They used to attend here, her her, her husband, her her mother, and her five children, for about a year or so, and then they moved to Alabama because uh, he's in the military. And a bunch of the kids and some got saved here, and then they moved, and we felt bad, like, oh, boy, I hope they get saved. But uh, an evangelist who came through here once named Steve Schwanke um, saw that we were planning churches, and he asked me how to do it because he felt a need in Huntsville, Alabama to start a church. And so we told him, and years ago, about three, four years ago, he started a church in Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, when they told me they were moving, I said, where are you moving to? They said, Huntsville, Alabama. I said, well, you go to that church. And since then, Cammie's mom got saved. And, and then just Wednesday, the pastor, Steve Schwanky, texted me and said, James, uh, got saved. And we praise the Lord uh, for that. Amen. A little testimony. Now. It's October. It's Stewardship Month. It always is, always has been. That's just how our church is. And I want you to notice the first two verses here of 1 Corinthians 4 says, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Notice the word stewards describes you and I in verses 1 and 2. A steward is someone who is put in charge or care of somebody else's property. Uh, if I went away on vacation for a month and, and said, would you babysit our house? Would you, uh, you know, watch it over and keep it clean and water the plants and mow the grass and all those things, whatever. And then I left. I would be uh, hoping as I was gone that you would be a good steward. Of my possessions, and so it is with the Lord. Uh, the Lord has left us in charge of those things that He has started and uh, But I want to talk about individual stewardship today, uh, more than just uh, our uh, church being stewards of the gospel, and so on, and we are taught in the parables by Jesus in, in Matthew 18, and I think it's verse 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. When Brother Angusith was here recently, the potter, he kept talking about the judgment seat of Christ and that, how that is the inevitable end of your journey. And mine, and every wise man or every wise woman will prepare themselves for what is inevitable. And it is inevitable that you and I shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ, Romans 14 and verse 10. So if you know that, we certainly want to prepare for that. And one of the ways we do that is by having Stewardship Month uh, every October. where we focus on us being good stewards, us being good caretakers of what God has put uh, in our uh, possession for a small time until we give an account to him when he returns from his journey. And so he has gone away, but he's coming back. And at such a time, we will all give account. It's going to be an individual thing. Your husband's not going to be standing next to you. Your pastor's not going to be standing next to you. Your wife Uh, Kids, your parents aren't going to be standing next to you. You're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ someday all by yourself and give an account of your uh, stewardship. That is uh, one of the uh, phrases Jesus again used in another parable. Luke 16, verse 2, give account of thy stewardship. Give account of thy stewardship. So it is inevitable. And so we have stewardship month, and we include in that, of course, our our annual drive for people to participate in uh, faith promise missions giving, and uh, that's what that card in your bulletin is about. And I might touched on that a little bit at the end of the message, but I want to encourage you to to realize this is reality. This is reality, and and, and so Pastor Bear and myself, Pastor Seth, whoever we 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 want to uh, encourage you uh, to be good stewards to know that you will give an account. And and really, our motive on all of this is so that you can have a better resurrection, so that you can have a better, that's our motive. We want you to have the best possible resurrection that you can possibly have, as it it tells us in in Hebrews 11 and verse uh, 35. It's possible for some to have a better resurrection than others. That is a better judgment, uh, rewards and, and, and things which we've, We've covered in in other sessions. So I give you today a a very basic outline. It's probably not going to be new uh, to most of you, uh, but uh, to some of you maybe that are new in the Lord, you've never heard this before. And uh, so for you, it's it's, we hope educational. For the others, we hope it's a, a, a remembrance, a reminder of what I call the four T's, the four T's of stewardship. And number one is the stewardship of our temple. The stewardship of our temple. Turn to uh, John chapter number uh, two. And as I said, this is on the individual basis. This is not to us today, this sermon as a church, but this is a sermon to you as an individual. And I want you to notice that there is going to be a stewardship uh, of our temple. Now, what do we mean by temple? I want to show you a couple of verses. First here in John, chapter number 2, and verse number 18. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building And wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. He spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians a couple times here. In chapter number 6. So I want you to notice what Jesus said about his body. He called it a temple. He called his body a temple. And notice in First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meat for the belly, and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your body... Your bodies are the members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he that is joined to an harlot is one body, for two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man... Doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Notice this, which are God's. Now, that's un-American, but that's scriptural. America teaches your body is yourself. It belongs to you. You can do whatever you want. The Bible teaches the opposite. The Bible says your body is a temple which belongs to God. It belongs to God. And so then each one of us shall give an account thereof of the things which we have done in our body. Another scripture says. And so, number one, we need to be stewards of our temple. We need to be stewards. It's got some great uh, commandments here. The body is not for fornication. We read that. The body is not for prostitution. The body is for the Lord. The body is a temple. And and we see these things because that was a real problem. If you go back to chapter 5 and verse 1, Imagine this, but it describes the church at Corinth this way. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. This is in church. So you think churches are bad today, you should read some of the churches in the Bible. Um, I hope you don't get some idea like the church is some perfect place uh, where everybody's an angel or something. Fornication, of course, is any kind of uh, of uh, sexual activity outside of a biblical marriage of one man married to one woman for one lifetime. And it's a very, very broad, very, very general word, and it was commonly practiced. Fornication was commonly practiced. And, and almost, almost with surprise in his voice, he says to them in chapter 6, verse 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? You didn't know that? You didn't know that your body is a temple? And uh, so Paul is is straightening that out. And and I believe as we read the book of 2 Corinthians, the next letter he wrote to them, they, they got a lot of this in order. And there was a lot of genuine repentance. And we need to resign the fact that our bodies are a temple, and that we need to be good stewards of the temple. We'll give an account for the things that we have done in the body. And so we need to come to repentance. I don't know what your past is like. Some of you have lived very, very clean past. God bless you. You grew up in Christian homes, and um, you went to Christian schools. and, And understand that not a lot of people had that privilege. Some people came straight out of the world, straight out of sin, straight out of some of the most ungodly behavior you can imagine. But when you get saved, that's supposed to end. That's supposed to end. There's repentance. We now realize, okay, my body belongs to the Lord. Verse 20 says, For ye are bought with a price. What was that price? The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross. And since that time, your body Belongs to the Lord. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Outwardly your body and in your spirit. Inwardly glorify God outwardly and inwardly which are God's. My body belongs to God. I can't do with it whatever I want to. Look at chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse number 31. It says this: Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. <clears throat> Even something like eating and drinking should be done to the glory of God because of its relationship with the body. We had our youth rally here a couple of weeks ago, and we had uh, uh, a good time in the Lord. And then we had the big annual dessert contest downstairs, and and uh, a lot of teens were here, and we were downstairs and. And the teens were supposed to taste some of the desserts and vote on them and so on. It was a little contest. But uh, there was one girl there. I know, I've know i known her for a long time. And she's in her teen years. She loves the Lord. And it's obvious, anyone that knows her, she serves the Lord in her local church. And uh, she was visiting with her church. And I said, so what would you have? What are the desserts you like? And she, she said to me this very, very humbly. She said, I've given up sugar for my Savior. And uh, she didn't say that arrogantly or proud uh, or anything. Um, That was just something the Lord led her to do in her life. And I was really impressed with that. And so there she sat having fellowship. She wasn't eating any of the desserts or anything. But she had such a spirit where she had wanted to sanctify her body unto the Lord. That she said, I've given up sugar for my Savior. And I said, boy, I should do that. I should do that. See, we shouldn't criticize people like that. We should give them a standing ovation is what we should do. We should give them a medal. We should give them a blue ribbon or a certificate or a trophy or something. Some teenage girl who wants to be so sanctified in her body that she's given up sugar for the Lord. Isn't that something? I see on the prayer list lately some of you have been writing down uh, how you desire for God to help you overcome cigarettes. Praise the Lord. Praise God for your humility to write that down and try to get people to pray for you so that you can glorify God in your body. And we need to glorify God in our bodies. Turn to Leviticus 19 verse 28. Most of you don't probably don't know this is even in the Bible. This is the law, so I'm not going to push this on you because this is the law to Israel. But the law also reveals unto us, according to Romans 8, the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. Notice what it says here in Leviticus 19 and verse number uh, 28. It says, You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you, I am the Lord. Okay? Now that was the law to Israel. That was the law. We're not under Israel. We're in America. We're Gentiles. And yet, when we study the law, the Holy Spirit leads us to fulfill the righteousness of the law. Not the law, but the righteousness that's taught in it. So if you portray, picture your, your body as a temple we have a lot of people and some of you uh, have done this and, and, and others are thinking about it who get tattoos and it's like putting graffiti on a temple can you imagine if you came to church today and somebody had painted graffiti all over our, our, our church well, that would affect you so I want to say to you today that no matter where you are, you are at this and I know it's too late for some of you but, but don't do any more don't do any more. Just just sanctify yourself and say, you know, I'm not going to get any more of these tattoos. And if you if you if you've never gotten any, it's so popular today. But just say, you know, something. I was reading in the law, and it showed me the righteousness of God. My body belongs to the Lord, and I'm not going to get any. And I think you'd be better off erring if if there if it isn't it's not an error, but on that side. And just saying, no, you know, I'm not going to do that. Now, we don't look down on anybody. I know people who have tattoos. They love the Lord. They're serving the Lord. Some of them are in the ministry. And, and uh, they, they did some of these things before the Lord got a hold of their life. Whatever. Uh, a bunch of us did bad things before we had dedicated our lives to the Lord. And we know God has forgiven us. And we know he, he'll never bring it up. And he'll never judge us nor look down on us because of what we did in the past. He chooses not to remember, amen? Amen. He chooses not to remember those things. But wouldn't it be good that we become more consecrated, more holy, and be good stewards of our body? Now listen, I know marijuana is legal in New York State. But we live by a law that's greater than the law of New York State. And that is the commandments of Christ and just because everybody else is starting to smoke marijuana doesn't mean you ever have to don't avoid marijuana and don't argue about social drinking and everything just just abstain and and just say i want to be a good steward of the temple of my body i want to be a good steward of the temple and uh give that uh to the lord and and uh, turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm just kind of throwing things out here like shotgun fire all directions. But I I just hope you're thinking here, how can I be a good steward of my body? Don't get offended. Uh, Like I said, a lot of us have done bad things in our body. God saved us. God's had mercy on us. He's cleaned us up, and he's given us another chance. (coughs) And so we should even watch what we eat and drink. Be careful about that gluttony and drinking all this stuff, and, and uh, that that's not good for our bodies. And, and just say, uh, "Lord, my body belongs to Thee." In First um, uh, Timothy, chapter two, and verse nine. Let me get there. First Timothy, chapter two, and verse nine. It says this, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearl or costly arrays, but with good works. Verse 10, uh, talking about women who profess godliness. Adorn yourself with good works, not uh, with all kinds of... Uh, you know fancy hairdos and and gold and jewelry and stuff that, that that there's nothing wrong with with some of that the bible teaches in other places in, in in moderation but it tells us about women adorning themselves in modest apparel modest apparel we live in a day where there's way too much skin and way too much form being shown in our society um we, we had a reason for it, and my, my wife and I and, and, and kids went over to the uh, homecoming game there Friday night. Wow. Wow, wow. I don't know if I saw a girl dressed modestly. And there had to be a thousand people. What a crowd for a football game. And um, it, it just, we're so far from being scriptural. Now, when you get saved, you know, we're not in the world. Uh, we're in the Lord, we're in the church, and he says to dress modestly. And that means to show as little skin and as little form as possible. Now, there's an interesting phrase in verse number two of chapter three. It says, a bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. There's a little phrase there that says, of good behavior, of good behavior. It's an interesting word study, but the word modest in chapter 2 and verse 9 comes from a Greek word which only appears two times in all of the Bible. One time it's translated modest in chapter 2 and verse 9. The other time that word is translated of good behavior in chapter 3 and verse 2. So if you use the Bible as a dictionary... The Bible's saying to the ladies here in verse 9, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. It's like saying in like manner that the women adorn themselves in apparel that's of good behavior. That's of good behavior. That, that obviously exudes and sends a message out, I am a woman of good behavior. And the less skin and the less form you show of your body, that is showing good behavior. Now I'm just saying these things in light of the judgment seat of Christ someday. I would like to have see you have a better resurrection. I know Pastor Barron would too. And uh, also, it's a it's a great opportunity to take a stand nowadays because boy, you'll stick out like a sore thumb, and people will wonder why, and you'll have a chance to talk. Be ready. Be ready with your testimony and say, why do you dress like that all the time? Well, well, tell them, you know, go right back to the gospel. Right then, go back to the gospel. You know, I was in need one time of salvation and a Savior, and, and I came to know the Lord as my Savior. He's done so much for me, and he died on the cross for my sins. He shed his blood to save me from going to hell. He rose from the grave for my justification. He came into my heart and my life, and I just want to live for him. I just want to live for him. And be ready, be ready to share a testimony. The stewardship of our temple, and I just just hit a bunch of things here, and there's so much more to it, but we need to glorify. You know, you study, the Bible tells a woman how to wear her hair. The Bible tells a man how to wear his hair. It's all in there. And uh, why? Because we're going to give an account of the things which we have done in our bodies. Well, I'm not getting very far here, but I want to go to number two. And that is the stewardship of our time, the stewardship of our temple. That's our bodies. You, you, you're in charge of your own uh, body. To, to, to in resignation, to say, Lord, I was bought with a price, so I can't just eat what I want to, and drink what I want to, and smoke what I want to, and and uh, I can't use my eyes and my ears for what I want to do with them, and and I can't dress like I want to, and. And, uh, you know, I've got to sleep, I've got to exercise, and uh, I've got to do all these things to take care of my body, so maybe I'll have more strength to obey the greatest commandment he ever gave. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Physical realm. We should love God in the physical realm. Love God in the physical realm. Now, in Ephesians 5 and verse 16, In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6, it tells us this, it says, we should be redeeming the time. Redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Redeeming the time towards them that are without, towards the lost, uh, because uh, time is running out. Now, time is something we all get the same amount of. I used to give out these and Some of you know what this means right here. Some of you don't know what this means. So I'm going to tell you what this means. (laughs) All right? I remember a preacher picking this up. We had cards. I used to give out cards to people. And uh, like this. I used to give out cards to people like that. It's got a number on it. It says 168. And I remember a preacher picking that up. 168, what does he at our church? Said, What's that mean? Okay, what does it mean? Some of you know. There's 168 hours in a week. 168. You ever hear people say, I don't have time to go to church, man. It's my only day off. What do you do for 168 hours? We lie to ourselves a lot. I don't have time to pray. Okay, what do you do for 168 hours? I don't have time to read the Bible. Hmm. You know, the great thing about God regarding the stewardship of our time, he all gives us the same amount. There's not a billionaire on earth who has more time than you have given to you by God as a gift this week or that I have. Now, the key to having a good resurrection and a good accountability and stewardship when we do face the Lord is using our time to do eternal things. Using our time to do eternal things. See, 24 hours a day times 7 equals 168. It's just a calculator. It's all we need. It's not something I made up. We get 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And so what we want to do is channel that, or channel at least some of it, into doing eternal things, things that will outlast time. Not temporal things, but eternal things, and we can. <clears throat> we can give some of this time, and when I first learned this truth, I thought, man, I have a lot of time. I can read through the Bible once a year, or twice a year, I can spend half an hour, an hour a day in prayer. I can go out visiting for a couple hours a week. I can go to church when the doors are open. I can go back Sunday night. I can go back Wednesday night. and, And still have a lot left. Still have a lot left. And so, you and I, and by the way, on the back of this card, there's a little saying One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You know who said that? An amazing athlete by the name of C.T. Studd. I don't know anything about cricket, but he was one of the greatest cricketeers in England's history. Back in the 1800s, you could actually read the statistics they kept on him while he was playing cricket. Cricket's a big thing in England. I wouldn't know anything about it, but he was an amazing athlete. He was one of the the greatest ever when it came to playing cricket. But he all gave it up in his young 20s to serve the Lord. And he would spend 40 years of his life as a missionary in China, India, and Africa. And he would eventually die on the mission field in Africa. And he wrote a tremendous poem about his life, which has this line in it. One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And he became a good steward of his time. I don't know how long he could have played or how great he could have become. And um, he said he wasn't against sports. He said, this is just the way God led me in my life. And he gave his all. He gave his all. Half that time, over 20 years of that time, he never saw his wife. She was back in England because uh, she couldn't handle uh, China and India and, and uh, uh, Africa. And so she was back in England, and, and, and she found ways to make a lot of money so she could send it to her husband to keep him on the field. And that's something? Now, he died in 1931. So he's been dead, whatever, in 90 years. But you talked to him. Can imagine if we could talk to someone in heaven and say, Hey, CT, was that worth it? Was that worth it? Giving up that popularity, that, that, that talent you had to, to serve in the mission field in, in, in China, then India, and then Africa. And to die there and to be half that time away from your wife, is that worth it? Ask her when they get to heaven, when we get to heaven of how worth it. Now, I'm not saying that we all need to do that. I'm not saying we all need to do that. But I mean, we need to be willing to give time to step out of our comfort zones and to do eternal things. We can do eternal things with our time. Sister here, she's battling cancer, but she wants to go back to Liberia. She wants to go back to Liberia and work with the disadvantaged children and disabled children and deaf children. Not just them, but I know her. She wants to work with anybody she crosses paths with to win them to Christ in Liberian Africa. She's never married. I think she had some opportunities she could have. Someone might think, uh, boy, what a waste of a. No. no, no, nothing's wasted that's used for God. That woman with her box of alabaster, she taught us that. Remember that? Nothing's wasted that's given to the Lord. She hath wrought a good work on me, Jesus said uh, to that, uh, that lady. In your bulletin, <clears> there's <throat> a quote by another great missionary, William Carey. And William Carey is the father of modern missions, they call him, in the 1700s, 1800s. He was from England, and he became a missionary. (coughs) And he said this, he said, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. Wow. I'm not afraid of failure. I just don't want to succeed at things that don't matter. The next one is the stewardship of our talents, and uh, I'll just briefly touch on this. Someday I'll finish up this sermon, maybe Wednesday night. I don't know, but First um, Peter four and verse ten. If you could turn there, maybe in, in closing.
1: First <coughs> Peter
0: four ten. 1 Peter 4.10 As a few of you once in a while receive the gift even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. See that? Did I read that right? Let me read that again. As a few of you once in a while have received the gift even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Did I read that right? No, oh, I read that wrong. I read that wrong. What does it say? Now you got to accept this by faith whether you understand or not. You got to everyone here has to accept this by faith now. It says this, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And women are gifted too. We know that. What this means is that there's some special purpose for your existence. There's some special gift you have, I don't have. And we're supposed to take that gift, that talent, number three, and be good stewards of it. And use that to minister to other people. As every man hath received the gift. You you, got to find out what yours is. Now, it may help you to start with Romans 12, where it lists seven of them. Very simply, it says this, "...having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity." Uh, He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. There's seven ministry gifts there if you want to dig into that and figure out. But every one of us in this room has one of those seven gifts. Every one. There's not an exception. And the Lord saved you so you wouldn't go to hell. That's wonderful. The Lord saved me so I wouldn't go there. But he also left us here so that we could then be a blessing to our fellow man, especially through the local church. And minister one to another by by finding out what our gift is, developing that gift, qualifying ourselves to use it, and then using it to be a blessing to other people. And I'll go on with this some other time, but, you know, it it, it can be anything. Um, Some people have gifts or what we call talents under number three here for music, teaching, greeting people, caring, benevolence. Hospitality, construction, preaching, writing, drawing, teaching, finances, computers, caretakers, yard work, woodwork, printing, pottery. All right, who knows what your gift is? You might know how to make pottery and go around and tell people by the thousands and thousands and thousands of spiritual truths using pottery. You know, Jen's coming back tonight. She's in Papua New Guinea. She's a good cook. She has the gift of ministry. If it wasn't for her, I don't, know, I don't know how long she's cooked for these men's breakfasts 12 times a year, these seniors' fellowship dinners six times a year, Roundup Sunday, Homecoming Day, International. I don't know what she helps in everything, whatever we're having. She has that gift. I don't. (laughs) Believe me, I don't. But because she uses her gift, we can assemble 30, 40, 50, sometimes 60 men every month and have a men's fellowship breakfast, have a preacher come in, preach to them, help them, because she uses her gift. Amen. Amen. Glenn and Janet Ellis, some of you know them I'll, I'll close with this i could i could I could mention a bunch of you too, so don't think I'm forgetting about you, okay uh, They are senior citizens, converted hippies <laughs> they are they're converted hippies. they'll tell you that, and boy, do they got the whole thing too man they they're saved man they're changed. Glenn'll be eighty. In November, Janet, she's 75, I probably shouldn't say that, but, you know, she's she's a better piano player now at this time in her life than she's ever been in all of her life. Because she plays piano for Hilltop Baptist Church over here, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, she plays out for us at Countryside Thursday nights. She's just getting better and better and better. And, and by the way, musical instruments, that's one of the very few things. Singing, it's one of the very few things you can get better at almost all your life. Sports, you're going to peak at or 18 maybe, 19, 20, and then it's pretty much downhill from there. About 1% of your college athletes go on to professional. Um, but boy, music, anyway, you can get better and better and better at it all your life. All your life. And you can use it for the Lord. Glenn likes construction. He's good at it. And he's a locksmith. They're in their they're retired. You know they own they own an RV. You ever see these big RVs going down the road, you know, all these senior citizens on the road to nowhere, basically, in their life. Just just traveling on out who knows what they're doing. I'd like to stand in front of someday and say, where are you going? <laughs> where are you going? It's like the last big toy. It is. It's like, li- li- it's like life was a toy land and this is the last big toy. This is the last toy we get. So, if you want to live like that, I guess. But they get one. You know what they do? They're snowbirds. They leave after Thanksgiving. They go down south and they go to Christian colleges Christian churches, Christian camps, and they just fix things up all winter long for free. They take care of their own lodging, they take care of their own food. He changes locks, he's a locksmith. They fix up things. He's he's using his gift, she's using her gift. And everywhere she goes, she's playing piano for people in churches and stuff. They're using their gifts. How about us? We're going to close with that. I was going to get into the stewardship of our treasures last of all, which is something I think Pastor wanted me to do. I'm sorry, but I hope you'll start praying now about your part in Faith Promise Missions giving. But um, every one of us has a gift. And we're going to stand before the Lord someday. He's going to say, I gave you this gift. I've seen people who had the gift of coaching, the gift of teaching, and they used it for the world and never for the Lord. Never for the Lord. God loves you, and He wants you to have a great eternity. We need to be good stewards of our temple, our bodies. We need to be a good steward of our time, 168 hours a week. Every one of us has the same coming up. And we need to sanctify some of that to do eternal things. And a steward of our talents. A steward of our talents. Maybe some might want to come to the altar while we sing in closing and say, Lord, what's my talent? What's my gift? Please show me. Now, he might not answer today, this morning, but he'll show you. He will show you. And then, Lord, how can I use it? How can I use it? You caretakers. Boy, I'll tell you what, man. I, I don't know of anybody on earth I respect more than caretakers. Wow, they are my heroes, like, immediately. I don't care about quarterbacks. These caretakers who never get a day off, and just care for the human race, and those who are sick, and those who have cancer, and those who have leukemia, and those who have dementia. So, wow. I don't have that gift. They're your heroes. They should be getting the millions. They're your heroes. I'd like us to turn to page 496, I surrender all. How about our bodies today and just say, God, my body's yours. Show me how to eat and sleep and what to drink and take care of my body. Let me be a good testimony. My time, my talents, and we'll get the treasures. (coughs) As we stand together, sing 496. You want to come to this altar and pray about something God has spoken to you about this morning? Come now,
1: come now and pray. All to Jesus I surrender, I will ever love and trust him in his presence. sake and take me Jesus
0: There's a quote in the bulletin today from Helen Keller. She said, it all comes down to this. The simplest way to be happy is to do good. See, some maybe have not yet yielded to a sermon like this of giving their time and their talents and their temple to the Lord and treasures because they think they'll never be happy again. The very opposite is true. You'll be so happy with yourself. You will. You'll be happy. happiness accompanies all this. Jesus said, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Happiness comes along. And let's bow our heads for prayer. If you're here today without the Lord Jesus as your Savior, Christ died on the cross for your sins and my sins in our place on the cross at Calvary and there he shed his blood to wash away your sins so you could be saved we don't go to heaven by the point system it says for by grace are ye saved through faith now right where you're standing if you need to be saved just in your own words just forget about what I'm saying and just pray to the Lord just say dear Lord Jesus save me I trust in you with all my heart come into my life give me the gift of eternal life have mercy on me Lord Jesus tell Him thank you tell the Lord Jesus right where you're standing thank you for dying on the cross for me and ask him to come into your heart and save you right now do that Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Bless Stewardship Month, Lord. It's not a time of being sad or anything. It's a time of happiness, a better resurrection, a purpose in life that we discover. And Lord, we're just praying before you today as we leave that we'd have the best missions conference we've ever had, the best faith promise we've ever had, and people would see as the songwriter said, the joy in serving Jesus. Now dismiss us, Lord, today we pray with thy blessing, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning. Tonight is the Lord's Supper as part of the evening service at 6 o'clock.